Rochelle M. N. Shaw. Welcome to the very first episode of Books Are Like Onions, a podcast for writers. Since 2011, I've been running the blog for Mind to Paper on writing and editing, which can be found on my website at rochellemnshaw.com slash blog. On it, I share tips about writing both fiction and nonfiction. It's something I've enjoyed doing immensely, but the time has come for me to try my hand at podcasting, even though I'm decades late to it. I'll be the first to openly admit that I've thought more than once about calling it quits and sticking with my keyboard. But I also realize how handy it would be to have an audio option as an addition to the articles already found on my blog. So although I'm a complete newbie to this process, I hope this podcast resonates with you all the same and that it sparks new ideas for helping you reach your own writing goals as you grow in the craft, whether you're new to writing or you've been doing it your whole life. So what's this podcast all about exactly? Well, if you've read my blog, or if you follow me on Tumblr, Twitter, or any other social media site, you might have noticed a common theme of mine involving writing in layers. That's because I'm super passionate about books that have depth, complexity, and a vivid world in which its characters live. I use that method when editing for others, as well as when I'm dissecting my own writing. This podcast is basically an extension of that idea, plus others mentioned on my blog. Many of the topics I cover will lead back to that central idea of developing a character or setting by adding new traits and elements during each stage in the writing process. But by covering those things through a podcast, I'll get the chance to go further in depth with you about each topic and share my personal experiences along with it. My hope is that by combining those approaches, it'll clarify some of the trickier aspects of writing and hopefully give you a different perspective on parts of the craft that you're already familiar with. Let's get started with the first official episode, Technical Writing and Adapting It to the World of Fiction. When you hear the words technical writing, what do you think of? Many of us think of manuals and textbooks or how-to books about complicated things. But technical writing doesn't have to be complicated or difficult. The purpose of any technical piece is to give the reader knowledge about a particular concept or product. They're meant to do so without being vague or going off on tangents. Our job as fiction writers is very similar to that. We need to tell a clear and concise story, one that follows a character on their journey while they get from point A to point B. If that sounds rather simplistic, it's because it is. Starting with the right foundation gives you the best base for a strong and compelling story. Without it, your story will always fall flat no matter how many times you rework it. To address the foundation issue, let's look at a few basic questions about your main character. What do they want? What or who stands in their way? What lies are they telling themselves that have hindered their success in achieving their goals? All those need answered before you're ready to dive into the details that make up their journey. Your answers will provide the basic structure for their character arc. If you're not familiar with character arcs, I highly recommend reading a book by K.M. Wyland called Creating Character Arcs, The Masterful Author's Guide to Uniting Story Structure, Plot, and Character Development which now has an accompanying workbook. And if you don't want to spring for those, I'd at least recommend checking out the tips about character arcs she has on her website, helpingwriterspecomeauthors.com, which I'll post the link to in the show notes for this episode. In technical writing, structure is everything. Placement and presentation of information can make the difference between that information being helpful or confusing. It's a bit like world building when it comes to fiction, which is just as important as character development, if not more so in certain genres like fantasy and science fiction. Let's start with the main questions for world building. Where does the story take place? Are there any laws or rules bound to it? 
What's the weather like and how does it change? How large is each location in the story? And if there are multiple locations, how do they relate to one another? What kind of structures and materials are found in the world? Without going on and on about why each of those things is so important, let me show you what kind of an impact great world building can have in a story. One of the best illustrations of this masterful technique comes from J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series. The passage I'm going to read comes from Chapter 12 of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. It takes place right after another round of attacks has happened on Harry's fellow students, and he is once again found at the scene of the crime, which lands him at the doorstep of the headmaster's office. They stepped off the stone staircase at the top, and Professor McGonagall rapped on the door. It opened silently, and they entered. Professor McGonagall told Harry to wait and left him there, alone. Harry looked around. One thing was certain. Of all the teacher's offices Harry had visited so far this year, Dumbledore's was by far the most interesting. If he hadn't been scared out of his wits that he was about to be thrown out of school, he would have been very pleased to have a chance to look around it. It was a large and beautiful circular room, full of funny little noises. A number of curious silver instruments stood on spindle-legged tables, whirring and emitting little puffs of smoke. The walls were covered with portraits of old headmasters and headmistresses, all of whom were snoozing gently in their frames. There was also an enormous claw-footed desk and, sitting on a shelf behind it, a shabby, tattered wizard's hat, the sorting hat. Harry hesitated. He cast a wary eye around the sleeping witches and wizards on the walls. Surely it wouldn't hurt if he took the hat down and tried it on again. Just to see, just to make sure it had put him in the right house. That passage is one of many throughout the series that holds vivid descriptions full of magical creatures, objects, and a unique history behind them. Rowling created a world that was unlike any other, and those images are what makes the series so compelling to readers. If you'd like to read the passage for yourself, you can do so by clicking the link I've provided in my show notes for this episode, which will take you to that part in the book on pottermore.com. The next area I'd like to focus on is audience. Whether you're writing a technical piece or a fictional one, you need to be aware of the subset of people you're writing for so that you can uniquely cater that piece to appeal to its intended audience. When I was working on how-to guides for a medical supply company shortly after earning my degree, I was often asked to look at different software programs and come up with a short guide for how to execute certain tasks. While there were manuals available for the software, they were rather complex and the team I was on only needed to focus on accomplishing specific tasks within the software. It was my job to tinker around with them and figure out the most efficient way of completing the job, then translate those steps into something that the whole team could follow, even those not familiar with the software. First of all, that's no easy task. What if you were asked to give instructions for making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or wrapping a present? Could you do it? It sounds simple, but in practice, being able to transcribe the actual process onto paper is a skill that many struggle with. In fact, I'd say it's the number one reason most manuals are so terribly written. There's too often a disconnect between the knowledge that the author has about the process and the audience for which they're writing. When it comes to fiction writing, audience matters a lot more than you might think. When I was younger, I had dozens of ideas for fiction pieces floating around in my head, and I did end up writing several stories with those ideas. But the problem was, my stories were almost always incomplete. Either I didn't finish, or if I did, the flow wasn't at all cohesive. I later found out that my main issue was caused by diving right into the piece without having any sense of awareness for my audience. I'd have parts that were fitting of a grade school book, 
and others that were more reminiscent of the young adult genre. It took me years to home in on that issue, but once I did, I learned to put my audience first, and my writing vastly improved because of it. With an audience in mind, it becomes clearer which elements need to be further explained and which you can safely assume the reader already knows and leave out. It also allows you to hit on topics that relate most closely to your target readers. Research is another area where technical writing and fiction overlap. It requires time, organization, and focus, but the impact it has on writing is tremendous. In technical writing, it allows you to have a much better understanding of your subject matter, which means you can more easily translate that information to those reading it. In fiction writing, it can add depth and a layer of realism that your story might not have otherwise had. In my current and ongoing series, The Porcelain Souls, I've spent countless hours researching things like crime details, police work, Chinese mythology, poisonous plants, and a whole slew of other things that probably should have resulted in the FBI turning up at my door. Point being, my time in research is easily triple that of my actual writing time. Research takes a lot of work and patience, but it's crucial to any successful story. It adds a layer of believability and realism to your book that will be evident to readers. Now, that's not to say you need to strictly adhere to the information you find 100% of the time. I certainly don't. After all, fiction does give you certain liberties to bend the rules. But I do recommend weaving in the most prominent facts and historic elements where they apply to give your piece a sound backbone for everything else that follows. The amount of work you put into your research will show, and readers won't hesitate to call you out on any flaws. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll give the dreaded concept of technical writing another chance. Taking the time to learn those skills will be something you carry with you throughout your writing career, no matter where you are in your journey. You can find a transcript of this podcast and others on my website at rochellemmanshawcom slash podcast. As always, I'd love to hear your feedback and any tips you may have for improving this podcast. You can reach me on my website or by emailing me at rmns at rochellemmanshaw.com. You can also find me on your favorite social media site. Join me next time for episode two, the do's and don'ts of writing a first draft. Until then, happy writing and thank you for listening to Books Are Like Onions. <laughs>